Hey, Sobertown. Let's jump on that train and ride, ride into the wonderful, amazing world of sobriety. I am with Sarah Malloy. And I am here with Elaine Schuyler Neal. And we are the Sober Baddies. We are, <laughs> and you are hanging with the Sober Baddies. So today we're going to talk about um, alcohol recovery and alcohol use as it pertains to marriage and relationships. Woohoo! Yeah, totally <laughs> important. And, um, and it's a big one. It is a big one. Sarah and I both have like polar sort of differing um, states of life on this. So it'd be really cool to dig it's into It's going to be so and, exciting. Should oh, we first talk about like why, why this is important? Yeah, we can, we can. Like, I mean, why, why does this even matter? You know? <laughs> yeah, well, also, so I found some really cool research that the University of Buffalo did from a 2014 series of research-based findings they released. And I didn't know, I've never, I've never heard of the University of Buffalo at all, but apparently they've been doing this huge on, ongoing research project that's been spanning like 40 plus years on all this. So that's it's like, awesome. Right. So it's pretty crazy. And I want to see what you think and what our okay. listeners think of this. So she's cold reading me these stats. <laughs> and Sarah's had no caffeine today. So no, no, be, I quit caffeine on a, basically on a dare. She'll, I'll, so, we'll hear her snoring in a minute. It'll be yeah. like, <sighs> yep. <laughs> right? Anytime anybody ever read me statistics, it would be like, okay, uh-huh. But oh, no, I'm going to make these them. lively. These are going to be the liveliest statistics you've ever heard. Oh, okay. I, I actually am really looking forward to it. I love, like, <laughs> statistics and numbers and making things fit. Well, okay, here we go then. So... This study, these series of studies they've been doing is all pertaining to married couples, so not cohabitating couples. So keep that in mind. Or dating, yeah. Right. And this is only U.S.-based study. But so in the U.S., both husbands and wives who regularly drink, which they defined as at least one time per month, which seems like not oh, really regular no, to us drinkers. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> regularly drink once it's a one month. time a month how According much to... do they drink once a month i know right like a big back in my drinking days the old me if it was like you can drink once a month i'd be like sweet take me i'd be like nicholas cage and leaving las vegas i know, I know. it's so true right <laughs> i'll drink okay. one case in this one sitting no yeah okay okay so so like half the couples in the u.s report married couples report that they have that they each of them drinks regularly so over half the couples in the u.s drink regularly married couples right but hold on oh, do we are we defining regularly as once a month that's what they're defining it as regularly <laughs> right i know all just all go right, with it just go with it all right so but but okay and then Separate from this, only a quarter of U.S. married couples do not drink. Another okay. quarter of U.S. married couples have a husband who drinks, but the wife does not drink. Okay. And supposedly, only 5% of U.S. married couples have a, has a wife who drinks, but the husband does not. 5%. So, so that's the smallest. That's the most rare. That's the rarest unicorn. Right. That the wife drinks in 5% of the cases 
but the husband is not. Do and then the number for like the couples that are both raging alcoholics that drink right. every, so, yeah. margaritas so, every Tuesday, you know, like every night. Who well, so they drink a bottle of wine each. Right. So I don't know that they got into the severity okay. metrics of it. But like, so in general, heavy alcohol use is less common among married couples overall, according to the study. Heavy, let me, let me, let me just process this because I yeah. did not have any caffeine today. I like to, uh, <laughs> like, I also, <laughs> yeah, I also, I like to repeat, you know, for comprehension. She was a teacher. I, was I used a to be a teacher. So it's like, um, what'd you say? Over half yes. of the couples. So half the um, couples in the in in America drink regularly, which they define as one time a month or more. So that was their base metric for regularity, I think. Okay, and then half the married couples are yeah. So half the married couples drink, but and a quarter of married couples do not drink. A quarter right. of them, yeah. Go ahead. Are the sober wife and the drinking yeah. husband and then five percent are the drinking husband or the sorry the sober husband and the drinking wife but then after that what'd you say so heavy alcohol use is less common among married couples overall so we're kind of taking a step heavy back. alcohol use is less common among right. married couples In, is that just because people get more responsible i mean i think i do think i did read that she's like Okay, in college you're a raging flaming vibrating binge drinker right. okay and then after college, you get a job, you start to have some cadence to your week, you have more responsibility. So yes, you do taper off a right. little bit. You know, drinking is a progressive disease, but the environment of college, and so maybe the environment of marriage. Uh, yeah, that okay. could be, there could be very contrib various contributing factors to the why of it all. They just say that heavy alcohol, alcohol use is less common among married people overall. Okay. 40, and only 4% of married couples do both partners drink heavily. 79% of U.S. married couples do not have a heavy drinker in their partnership. So this is just the baseline info, and then we're going to go on from here. I know, and here's the thing. It's like, I've been, I've been like out with my sobriety lately i'm mm -hmm. almost 16 months you know and every, yeah it's so awesome and i've been really comfortable being like oh i don't drink you know which used to be it used to cause me a lot of anxiety but people are like what why not were you drinking in the morning mm -hmm. were you driving your kids were you a raging alcoholic and it's like and what i say is i go well uh you know when you go to the doctor's office and they ask you how much you drink uh, i lied on that <laughs> yeah so like the the healthy amount of drinks for a, a an adult is like a woman is like seven per week right i think okay? so right. i was like I, they're like were you an alcoholic i was like well what defines an alcoholic because at the doctor's office it says seven a week i wasn't drinking that wink wink and then they yeah. you see them that for a half second they flash yeah <laughs> you see them take a tally of their own I know, I know. I thought these things were pretty cool too. Like, so, so just stats aside, right? Heavy yeah. drinking is associated with lower marital, marital satisfaction. It's a contributing factor in domestic violence and aggression. And it's among the most common reasons given for divorce. The third Absolutely. most common for women, the eighth most common for men. So I guess men are just willing to deal with our drinking more. 
don't know. <laughs> yeah, so th those statistics are far more compelling for me because the other ones, it was like, we barely drink and we don't drink because we're married. It's like, who's yeah. lying on their worksheets? I know, I know, like, right? I, I this... just, it's not what I experience. I don't. Oh, know. yeah, no. And I don't think it would be for anybody in this drinking spectrum because we would be like, well, wait, I mean, we're all we're all drinkers listening to this probably. Or, yeah. you know. So it also says that also couples in which one spouse has an alcohol use disorder have more negative interactions with fewer positive ones than couples in which neither spouse has an alcohol use problem. Kind of like duh, right? Absolutely <laughs> duh. But, okay, duh. Yeah, duh. But how many years did I spend slugging it back? And wondering why we were arguing or wondering why, you know, that Super Bowl party ended up to be such a shit show. It's yeah. like, yeah, duh, now. Well, yeah. And so this says verbal aggression, to your point, is two times more likely to occur if alcohol has been consumed in the previous four hours. And physical aggression is three to times more likely um, within those, within that same parameter and it says that the consumption could either be with the perpetrator or the victim, which I thought was interesting. Crazy. Wow. So if you, <laughs> if you drink, you're likely to be. You're likely to be in, in an argument. By or even the, a sober person. Yeah, right. You exactly. could be the perpetrator or the victim. It's like, you could be so annoying that someone could bite your wrist. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I thought this was actually really cool. So, or interesting. So in this study or this series of studies, there was a trend that revealed that couples who both used alcohol regularly or heavily reported greater marital satisfaction and positive inter interactions versus couples in which one spouse uses alcohol and the other does not. All right. That and that right there. Right. That is the, the jumping off point for this right. entire conversation. Totally. Because, uh, but read that one more time. What? So, okay. So, so here's a different summary they add. Research has shown, oh wait, no, sorry. That was a different one. Um, did you just say, hold on. Did you just say that when both people drink, they report more satisfaction? Yes. They report when one more person satisfaction drinks and the other overall. doesn't? Yes. They report more satisfaction overall couples that drink together versus ones that don't. That's and absolute bullshit. What they're reporting on, ladies and gentlemen, folks at home, boys and girls listening, is the social conditioning that right. they have been conditioned in their subconscious to think alcohol makes things more fun and exciting and adventurous and exotic and sexy and cute and fancy. Right. So they elaborate, and this is drawing right from their words, when people drink with their partner versus not with their partner, they experience more positives and less negatives in their relationship, especially the following day. This is particularly true in cases when men believe that alcohol enhances social functioning or when women believe that alcohol increases intimacy. So I thought that was- Which is true. And the, the key word there is believe. Right? Yeah, for sure. The key word is believe because- to the last one there, when women believe that alcohol increases intimacy, mm -hmm. did you ever push back a glass of wine? Like, yeah, I'm going to be, I'm going to be sexy tonight. Slug, <laughs> like, even though 
sober sex is way better. Yeah. Okay. Sure. I. What do you think about that? I'm struggling have... with it because I don't feel like there was enough heavy drinkers. They were like once a month or more. It's like, well, I think they, like... I think the problem with the with the stats for me is they didn't identify a, of that group. They didn't separate out the heavy drinkers from the regular drinkers. Yeah. It was all just kind of lumped into one regularity, which is a little bit hard to grapple. But it does say over the course of nine years, 50% of couples with one partner who drank heavily divorced, whereas 30% of couples who drank similar amounts and weren't classified as heavy drinkers uh, divorced. So more, so if you drank with one partner, one person drinking, one person not drinking, your divorce rate was 50%. Uh, if you drank similar amounts, but you weren't considered heavy drinkers, your divorce rate was 30%, so less which I thought was interesting, but yeah. I think it's a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> really? Because yeah. I know in my heart that alcohol made me a worse partner. I yeah, know in my sure. heart that alcohol increased our arguments. Mm -hmm. I know it. I know it. So that's why we're here today. That's why we're yeah. here today is to talk about that terrifying question that says, what will happen to my partnership if I get sober? Okay, so... The whole reason that this conversation and those stats are really compelling to us is because my husband is a drinker and I'm sober and Elaine is sober, duh, and... <laughs> and my husband is not a drinker, but he, he well, he went sober with me. So this He is went sober with her. Yes. So that, you know, I, I'm that partnership that has a drinker and she has a sober partner. And I can't believe we've actually waited this long to talk about it because I think it's a super big deal. Yeah. Um, I think it's, I, I do think, and I, I know I felt it when I decided that I was going to quit drinking, what will happen to my partnership if I get sober? Oh, and for sure. I had fear. I absolutely had fear. And I think hopefully I can dig back to the depths and think about what it would have been like sober and dating. But if any of, if anybody has any sober dating expertise, which I absolutely do not have, <laughs> feel free to write in to soberbaddies at gmail.com and share with us your thoughts, feelings, ideas, comments, concerns, and questions. <laughs> Uh, this is this is the part where we say we are not marital experts either. <laughs> uh, 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 no way. No way. But I mean, yeah, I think the first and foremost thing that you brought up too is that like it's really scary no matter like whether your person is going to go with you or not, whatever level of relationship you're in, it's super scary even with all your relationships. You worry about what your people in your life are going to think about your new Absolutely. choice. And whether think, they'll support you and how you'll be like, am I going to be a boring piece of shit now around yeah, my people? Yeah, yeah. I think that I, I know that I worried that sobriety would be social suicide for me. Yeah. And I remember back when I was a drinker, I used to go to this pool. We had young children. We'd go to the pool, me and all these moms. And this one mom went to rehab and I just kept thinking she was so brave to commit social suicide. <laughs> and you know with your partner it's like especially in the, this entire like society has built us up to think that drinking is the only social avenue is the social currency and 
when you in my marriage i mean we got together at a bar he's a brewmaster we went to these events i mean it was such a underlying theme of our union we should hear from you too sarah you should describe about like what that when that when that choice came around for you and that conversation happened like was there a conversation with your spouse like around all your right. drinking let's and, take turns because i can't yeah. wait to hear but i want to hear all about your because we've talked about it but i want to talk about it on here so um we were getting in these meaningless arguments and i was battling postpartum depression and i was eating pills and i wasn't feeling better and one night we got in this meaningless argument and all we had was a bottle of wine between us mm. and we got in this meaningless argument and I just got to thinking, I wonder if we hadn't have drank, drunk that wine, would we have be, would we be in this argument? Because we're the type of arguers that he wants to like win. And like, there's a Jackson Brown <laughs> quote that's like, I win, you win, we lose. Okay. He always wants to win and he'll like silence me out and he, he'll just be an asshole. Like if I go to bed early, he'll come in and he'll turn on the lights and leave the room. It's like, <laughs> we're not done yet. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, it's like just to be a dick, you know, he won't talk to me, but he'll just, he'll just turn on the lights just to, and it's like, so, so I was like, I'm going to quit drinking. And I was pissed at him because he tends to, when he doesn't feel great about himself, like we all do, he sort of projects it out and sort of barfs it out all over everybody in the room and so I was like you know what I'm gonna fucking get my head straight and I'm gonna leave you in the dust and you can start all the meaningless arguments you want with yourself but when they happen I'm gonna be the one that goes okay buddy I'm not gonna jump in the ring and try to defend myself and get in the mix and make a fucking mess of it in front of the kids so I quit drinking silently well to IAS I hopped on there and I quit drinking and I didn't tell anybody I was gonna say did you tell him did you say no. like wow no I told my neighbor who was like my favorite drinking buddy and this is a complete <laughs> side note she came over to my house the next day and I was like yeah girl I quit drinking and I watched her she was looking around my house she was just like she was she looked fucking panicked she looked like I had just told her that her car had been stolen Oh. that's how she fucking looked because we're neighbors and I always have a keg of beer because my husband's a beer brewmaster and so I cool during COVID I was her favorite bar <laughs> okay and she was looking around my she was looking around she was panicking and she's like well how long are you quitting drinking and I was like I don't know girl until I feel better mm -hmm. and and so I only told her and then like a week or two later we went to this like rolling stones it was like a drive-in showing of the concert in havana and Ooh. it was cool we were like sitting in the back of her truck and i was drinking my Lacroix, and like i don't know todd like hadn't noticed i guess that i wasn't drinking and then my neighbor was like yeah and now sarah's on the wagon and he was like what you quit drinking and I was like, wow. and I was still kind of pissed at him, you know, and I just was like, I just kind of <laughs> nodded like, mm -hmm. like, and it was, it was kind of a fuck you, which mm -hmm. is exactly how I meant it to be. And, um, you know, and then for the first month, it was just me trying not to drink yeah. me trying to keep this promise, like to myself and to the people in my 
White House circle, who I had reached out to and said, I think I want to quit drinking. I think I want to join the VIP table. And so it was me being accountable to them. And then 460 days, 70, I don't know, however many days later, I get to 500 days in the middle of October in two weeks. Like I'm still sober. Yeah. And so did I worry? Did I spend time worrying that we would lose a connection? Not really, because I was doing it. Yeah. Kind of a fuck you. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I knew then, but I knew, spoiler alert, I know now that I'm bringing my very best self to the marriage. And so that in turn makes the marriage better. Yeah. You know, no, like I'm, I'm, there's, I'm not dumping poison and a bad attitude and overreactions into the marriage Mm -hmm. and like last night last night I'm going to tell a quick story about this is when it all pays off okay yeah last night we're sitting at dinner and the baby has this special high chair well she climbed up in it and she kind of got her foot stuck and he goes are you stuck and he goes to pull her up and her foot was stuck and so she cried and then he kind of tried to pull her again and then Camille the my daughter was like daddy it's her foot and I went around and I went to free up her foot and we got her out and she cried and he hugged her and it was over and that's what happens with kids dude they're <laughs> stressful he I don't even know how much he had been drinking but he had he felt like it was his fault mm. he felt like we thought it was his fault so after the baby was okay he got all he got all upset and he's like I didn't adjust that high chair someone did that wrong that bar isn't supposed to be there that's where her foot got caught and I was Uh, like do mm -hmm. you need someone to blame because also like she's two she just got done getting hurt and everybody was like yelling and screaming and it was really intense to get her out and now you're angry do you think that's helping her feel better and in that moment I thought fucking a sobriety's got my back yeah because I normally would have jumped in the ring I didn't do it (laughs) I didn't yell at you I wasn't and then it would have gone round and round and I said sweetie you can be angry at the seat all you want okay that's yours okay and if it makes you feel better go ahead and get on with it and let me know when you're done but for now, and I kept just doing the dishes and I kept showing him a thumbs up because he wanted, he was, he had this feeling and he wanted to exercise it. Yeah. He wanted to get it out. And I just kept going, okay. And I was like, this anger, us being in an argument isn't helping the baby feel better. Like, yeah. Right. And so I just like was super chill. And then this morning he was like, Hey, I'm sorry. And I was like, yeah, bro. Like if you feel bad about something, like work it out. <laughs> But that's sobriety. So that's that's why I got sober. And that's sobriety in my marriage, continuing to withhold a strong connection. Not, or sorry, by withhold, I mean uphold. Mm-hmm. Not withholding the connection because I'm not clinking glasses with them for whatever meaningless reason. And yeah. then getting in a meaningless argument later. Okay. It's but I'm curious though, did you ever have like, well, okay, so you did an interview on this podcast talking about your mental health and postpartum depression and effects yeah. around alcohol. Did you ever sit down to him at any point and say, 
you know, have a more meaningful conversation or did he listen to that podcast and realize nope. how nope. it was? Nope. Like you've never to this date said, look, these were the things going on with me. Mm, kinda, kinda, but it was never like a sit down. Like I want to talk about our drinking. I want to talk about my drinking. It was mm -hmm. just, I got sober. And then our marriage counselor, who is a, um, addiction counselor, he would always cheer me on. Good job, sir. Tell yeah. your, you know, and now my husband goes to a men's group with him and he's like, tell your wife, good job. You know, because <laughs> I text my therapist. I'm like, dude, I got 450 days. You know, he's like, great job. How do you feel? You know? Yeah. And, um, so he's like super proud of me. Um, I did ask Todd to quit with me during the month of May because I asked my brother to quit with me. Mm -hmm. And I was like, want to do it, bud? Like, and he said, yes. And he did. And he said he felt better. And he said he liked it, you know? And Oh, that's and, awesome. Yeah. And this morning I did say to him, I said, that thing last night with the baby's high chair and like her foot getting caught, that was like 30 seconds of our time. It didn't need to be an entire argument. And that's why I quit drinking so that oh, I didn't cool. step in the ring with you. Like you, your drinking is yours. That's your responsibility. I'm going to stay in my own lane. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So and I, I mean, maybe I have offhandedly said like, you know, my postpartum depression and me quitting drinking, I felt like I found myself and I'm not afraid of your anger anymore. And, mm -hmm. you know, but, and I think he would agree that our marriage is better. I yeah. think he would agree. I think he would absolutely agree. So yeah, of course, because we are like more real versions of ourselves, and shit just gets to us less. I definitely think that's true. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, last night I was just, and I felt like I was watching it and it was in slow motion. Mm -hmm. Whereas whenever I'm drinking, whenever I was drinking, it felt like all of a sudden we were in this huge argument and I didn't really know where or why or how it all, when the tipping point was. Yeah, that is so true. It's like the, how did we get here? Why are yeah. we still fighting? And yeah. now there's no, now there's like no means to an end because it's all just fucked. Yeah, yeah. And we don't even know, I don't even know what I'm supposed to say sorry for. I don't even know what you're still so mad about. And with that, it was as all, it was almost as if I was outside the situation. Yeah. And it was the perfect example of a meaningless thing. Kids, kids put their, get their heads stuck in things, you know, it's like, mm -hmm. nah. and I was just like, I'm not going to engage. I'm not going to engage. Do you ever wish that he would quit with you? Do you think that that would be like a thing that would better your marriage? I mean, it doesn't, I don't Before know. Before I answer that, I want to ask you about what OMG, what's it like being in a sober marriage, Elaine? Well, tell me how um, it started. It's pretty Tell great. Me in the middle I mean, of it. Tell me well, all so, so the thing, so we really enabled each other um, when we were drinking. Um, we were the type that we we could stop together for a while, and then we could we could keep going for a while. But I found that like we were kind of each other's worst enemy when it came to enabling because one of us definitely me could always talk us into drinking. And then Vincent was very like, yeah, yeah, let's drink. You want to drink? He like yeah. really loves to do, he really wants to make me happy is the bottom line. He wants to make me happy all the time. And he was willing to do whatever I wanted. And yeah. even whenever I wanted to stop drinking and we did for a while and I, I expressed how happy it made me feel, how much better we both felt when I wanted to start drinking again, he was like, 
yeah, well, whatever you want to do, we can try to moderate. And, and then, you know, I failed at moderating and we, and then I, I, I started progressing, um, in like a four month period way beyond what I had been drinking before. Uh So it just started getting really emotional and really mentally compromising. And I just started feeling very depressed and having these moments where I just felt like, you know, that I wanted to just wander off into the wilderness and cease to exist, you know? And, and I think there were some, I, I at least had the bravery to just, I mean, um, I, I felt like I needed to tell him what was going on because I felt helpless. And I felt like if, if I didn't tell him that I would do that, that I would, Uh because there were so many times when in the moment I felt like, um, I could just get in the car or walk away and just, and just go wherever I needed to go. I felt so much shame in those moments of getting drunk. And it wasn't even so much that I was getting drunk to the point that I was, um, ridiculous. I was more like saying, or getting argumentative, even though that stuff happened in my old relationship, for sure. I'm like, I'm definitely not the person, by the way, to be given the marital advice because this is my third marriage. So. Yay, girl! And all of my marriages and relationships have had alcohol in them. And, Absolutely. and, um, this one, I think will be the marriage that I'm in for the rest of my days. Third time's a charm. Yeah. But I guess the point is that I just felt, I felt very helpless. And, and so I did feel compelled to really impress upon him the severity of my helplessness. And I think once I told him that he actually took a step back and was like, okay, no, I need to be, I need, instead of just doing what she wants to do, I need to support her in whenever she wants to stop, I'm going to be the one to be like, no, 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 let's stop. Instead of just being like, oh, you want to drink? Let's drink. You know, he's, he sort of changed his perspective from no, 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 let's stop. We can stop. It's totally fine. I've stopped before. And I should say that, um, for anybody who's ever listening to this for the first time, doesn't know my backstory. My husband's first wife was killed by a drunk driver and it was, a. uh, they both had alcohol in their system, and they both swerved and hit one another. So it's, um, it was totally, uh, we don't know what, what fully happened, but they both had alcohol in their system and they both killed one another. And he was like 24 at the time and in the military. And so um, it was very devastating to him. And he almost drank himself to death many times. And he did, I mentioned this because he did quit for like a couple years on his own because he felt like, he was drinking himself to death. So he had that experience already and he had already been through those things and all those hurdles. So he was like, not only was him quitting with me, like everything to me because I had a partner in the sobriety and, um, and I didn't feel alone, but he was able to kind of coach me through it and say, look, this all sucks right now, but in a while it's not going to suck. And so it started, it started to really shift. I mean, you know, we, it wasn't all roses. We had our moments, especially like the month, month two, you know, 30 days in there, we both would look at each other and be like, God, I want to drink, you know? Yeah. But, but then we talked ourselves out of it and we kind of were just like, no, 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 we're just doing this. We're just going to do this and see how we're going. 
And, and, um, it be, you know, I definitely had more weaknesses than him, but, and he's very much, um, not in the recovery community, I would say, like, he doesn't do all the zooms. He doesn't, um, do all any of that, because I think for him, it's just better to put it out of his mind and think yeah. I'm done with this versus engaging and opening up and trying to like solve a bunch of personal demons. Like, I don't know that he had the emotional, um, sadness component that I did in the like the real like alcohol is a crutch kind of yeah. relationship I don't think he used alcohol to self-soothe or to cope or to deal with anxiety I don't think he had and I also don't think he it impacted him as much he was kind of a happy drunk you know and then he yeah. got hung over just like we all do but like when I got drunk I got sad and depressed and I felt shame and I felt yeah. like I shouldn't exist anymore and he didn't experience those things he just he just got drunk and happy and kind of went to bed you know yeah and totally. I'm sure you know he would tell you that when he was younger those things were different maybe he got in a fight or two or got aggressive or got in an argument but yeah. you know, we're both in our 40s we're a little bit more chill but so it's been, it's been everything. I really don't know that I could have, I, I want to say I could have done this on my own, but fuck, it sure helped to have him there. I just think it's so cool because you, you have this partner, this buddy, you know, with you at all times. And for me, you know, I have an aunt, I have an uncle, I have a couple friends, and I have the IAS, which is kind of my imaginary friends, let's be honest. Like, they're, it's real, but it's like, I have these friends on the internet that help me stay sober, but you, you guys, like, every night at dinner, like, nobody opens a bottle of wine, you know? When you go to a barbecue, nobody has to stop for beer, nobody, and, and you, your holidays, like, I just feel like, you're all, it's all sober and you're having sober sex. Yeah, for sure. I'm glad for that. And um, yeah, I think, I think the main reason that I know I couldn't do it on my own if he was drinking is I'm just my willpower. Like, as we know um, already, like willpower is like, there's so many different components with drinking and, yeah. you know, there's so much written about willpower and how, like we use up our willpower throughout the day on small little decisions and how we need to like willpower is not enough to stop drinking. Like we Absolutely. have to really not want to drink the substance anymore. We have to see it as poison. Yeah. We have to view, change our perspective entirely and see through the bullshit of it all in order to stop genuinely because, and in the beginning, we're not there yet. We haven't shifted our perspective fully, even if we read the books and we think like, okay, I can see these things. We're not fully there yet. So yeah. then if you've got the person open. Well, that's, let me just on. jump in. That's the cognitive dissonance. Yeah, That's for sure. where your mind, your logical thinking mind goes, I've drank, I'm drinking too much. I'm being, mm -hmm. I'm not a good person. I regret how much I drank. I wish I drank less. And then your subconscious, which you don't have access to, which you, you know, you take in 2 million messages a day into your subconscious that actually forms your sense of reality right. and your beliefs and your convictions. It goes, time for that. It's five o'clock somewhere. I know. You know? And so, so for me, it was 930 in the morning. <laughs> uh, so 
that battle Sometimes between your conscious, your rational and your like subconscious mind, that's called cognitive dissonance. And it's to me, that's the most painful part of being drink of a drinker. That's mm-hmm. where the shame and the guilt and the pain and the fight is. It's it's not lying to your boss. It's not lying to your wife. It's lying to yourself and yeah. fighting yourself and failing night after night after night. Oh, and they, you know, there's so much said about, you know, the greatest person to overcome or the greatest thing to overcome is yourself. Conquer yourself and the world is at your feet. St. August. St. August. You know, like, I really don't think like if he was opening up, I mean, I told him from the get go, like, I'm going to do this. Don't feel compelled to do this. Like, and he was like, no, I'm in it with you. And like, he didn't even skip a beat. Like if, if the tables had been turned, I can 100% tell you that it would not have been that quick for me. No, you defend your addiction. I need this. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm, I know about different wine varietals. I need I to think, relax. I don't even drink that much. Oh yeah. I think if he would have wanted to be the one to quit, I'm, I probably would have come around. I just, it would have taken me longer, but he just, he didn't even skip a beat. He was like, he didn't think about the happy hours with his colleagues. He didn't think about any of the, you know, what are my, who's going to think what, like, what about my game day? It seemed like he didn't think about any of that. He just was like, I'm doing it. And I mean, like, I can't even love him enough for that because. It's huge. When you were saying that, I was thinking, because drinkers are selfish. Yeah, they're selfish. They get to be mean because they need to feed that addiction and that addiction, feeding that addiction is the most important thing, more important than, you know, taking care of your kids or whatever. And so for him to just not even think twice or defend his addiction to go, yeah, yeah, yeah. You and I, this union is more important than game day with my buddies, than me escaping out the back hatch of my uh mental state so i can I wonder too to myself about in general he's always been a very positive person he truly believes and this might anger people to hear but he truly believes that happiness is a choice and that if you um if you you can shift your perspective to believe um, to situate yourself how you how you wish. And that ma- might frustrate people who really struggle with depression, for instance. And even for me, there were times that I was like, come on, <laughs> you don't really, yeah, yeah. you know? But I mean, I will say that um, I wonder to myself if that is because he dealt with so much loss early on and he was forced to see through that heartache and and learn to live without you know his wife and and to just lose her like that and to just I I just wonder I wonder about that and how much that impacted him because I think for instance having lost both of my parents and you know this as well like when you lose someone that's very dear to you it shifts your whole perspective on loss in a way that you you never would have understood, you never could understand it before. So I wonder about that. And, and, um, and, you know, I think I impressed upon him that I was really in need. Yeah. Well, I think real quick about the happiness thing. Mm -hmm. I've lived through depression. There was nothing I could do. However, I know I've always been the person that says, 
there's a whole lot of things I can't control in this world, in this life, in this fucking day. Mm-hmm. I can barely control what's on my kitchen counter. Okay. Mm-hmm. But there's <laughs> only one thing I can always control and it's my attitude. And yeah. so I think that when you say like happiness is a choice, you know, be happy and like depression. I, to me, the way I interpret that as choose your attitude. Yeah. And I think that's exactly right. It's more like your perspective. Like, you know, if, if life gives you lemons, make lemonade kind of. Yeah. Like you, you don't have control of everything that comes to you, but you have control of how you respond. Exactly. And in that you are, you are in complete control of your entire universe. Right. And And so I think that's that's, uh, Victor Frankel. uh, The book is called Dang it. I'll figure it out. But you know, that perspective, that that feeling like I could have control over that perspective was absolutely important in recovery because it made me realize that I can choose to think, oh, what was me? I can't have my poor Chardonnay. Or I can think, you know what? I had years of Chardonnay. I have drank enough Chardonnay for a small town you know yes. and I don't need any more Chardonnay if I that's life, such a good at it that's such a good perspective. you know and it's kind of like I had my Chardonnay like how about try something else you yep. know and that's the thing like but um but I'm curious to you like what um other improvements you've seen more specifically beyond like the not fighting and things. yeah well I th- I think that um, you know, when you get sober, I think gratitude takes up that number one spot that alcohol used to. And um, we've started, you know, we've, I'm not saying that he was all our problems. Like I, I was a drinker, you know, I was defensive. I was a codependent. I was a co, I was so afraid of his anger that I would do anything. I was scurrying along ahead of him, trying to keep him from being angry. And now in my sobriety, I am super solid inside my own skin. And I'm like, if you're angry, that's your shit, bro. <laughs> and I never, ever used to be like that. I used to, oh, I used to just not feel like I even belonged. Mm-hmm. And um, so, so with that, I let him have his own anger. And the gratitude has taken up the number one spot. And so we've started this thing of being like, oh my God, look at what the kids are doing right now. Like, look how cute they are. They're already older than they were when we started having this conversation. Yeah. And it's fleeting and it's gorgeous. And we are so fucking fortunate to live where we live and have the jobs that we have where we have creative freedom and autonomy which is something that is important to me and, you know, just have clean water and clean air and comfy beds and good schools. And, and he's been doing some work, you know, in this men's group about being present and kind of just being grateful for being able to do the dishes. Mm -hmm. Some people do dishes with cold water and all they have is ash to scrub. They don't have dish soap and sudsy bubbles and warm water, you know? (laughs) And it's like, So we've, we've sort of been really connecting on this like gratitude thing that he's found and that I've found. And we, it's sort of, it's kind of our touchstone now, you know, and it's, it's powerful. And I would like to say that I invited that into the marriage. I brought that because 
it used to be that he would come home. I would try to clean everything because it's stressful when the house is a mess. It's, it's just, it's, it's just a physical thing. Talk to Marie Kondo. Like it just affects your mental state, mental clutter. But I would try to clean, 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 clean. And then if I didn't get something done, he'd be like, well, how come this didn't get done? You know, and it was just this like fixating on negative and not being enough and me always scurrying to try to be enough. And yeah. finally, like I got sober and I was like, I am enough. It's like, if you don't <laughs> like it, fuck off. <laughs> he like rose to that instead of being like, instead of fucking off, he was like, wow, I need to honor her space more because I didn't honor my own space. So how should I expect him to? Mm -hmm. So then I drew a circle around myself and he started respecting the boundaries of that circle and our marriage is better. Um, parties though and stuff, like, I don't feel like I'm disconnected from him when he's drinking. When he, when he drinks too much, yeah, absolutely I am. And I'm going to, I'm going to tell everybody this. To me, if I was here giving advice for sobriety and marriage, my number one piece of advice is trust that you are your best self. And number two, stay in your lane. Stay in mm -hmm. your lane, dude. The other person's drinking isn't your business until they decide that they want to talk about it. Because no amount of anyone talking about anything about my drinking would have made me quit drinking. Yeah. And true. when you said it, when you're like, if he would have quit drinking, I guess I would have gone along with it. It's like, if he would have quit drinking in the height of my roaring drinking phase, I would have gone along with it so as to avoid the discomfort of being the asshole. Yeah. But wow. my heart wouldn't have been in it. Mm -hmm. My heart wouldn't have been in it. I would have been doing it for him so that I didn't look like an asshole. Yeah. Uh, so there's that. I don't make any comments about his drinking at all. He's, he's a pretty responsible drinker. Mm -hmm. um but and he's a brewmaster so he drinks beer i don't know if anyone's forcing him to drink it but you know he has to taste <laughs> it and stuff but when he comes home from work and he pours like a glass of like whiskey or mezcal i'm like mm, seriously and when he pours a second one i'm like mm, seriously in my in my mind in my mind mm -hmm. okay i don't say anything but if we're watching a movie or something and we're on the couch and he passes out, and I try three good times. Hey, bud, it's time to come to bed. Hey, come on, come on, come on. I nudge him, kind of, you know. You sound on. like you're talking to a dog. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I kind of feel like it at that point. I'm like, come on, come on. And he doesn't come. I go, do you want to come to bed? Uh-uh. Okay. I take a picture of him. I print it out. <laughs> and I tape it to the whiskey bottle. Are you serious? I'm That's fucking awesome. serious. I'll go get it right now and show it to you because the one oh my God, it's only happened twice. What does he it. say? Does he react to that? Well, the next time he goes to take a drink, there's that picture. He doesn't see it or know it. I just go, okay, well, I'm going to bed. You're a grown, you're a fucking grown tax paying man. You can get yourself to bed of your own volition. <laughs> and I just go to bed because I guess what? I'm here. I'm gonna take care of me, bro. You do you. Mm. And uh the next time he goes to pour that whiskey, he sees that picture of himself pass out on the couch. Yeah. And it's like, maybe he thinks I'm a bitch, but maybe <laughs> he doesn't think he looks very flattering in that picture. It's like, by the way, the kids were with me when I took that oh, picture. Oh, I, I would die if I, I die. saw some of the pictures of myself 
passed out. I mean, even the stories people would tell, not that I even had that many horrible stories, but even the ones I did have were enough. It was like, oh God. And the fact that, you know, you wake up and you can't fully remember the stories, that is just the icing on the cake. So yeah. And what's that thing that's our fear of letting the other person know how bad their drinking is? Mm-hmm. Like I went to a wedding and we stayed in a hotel after and one of the girls we were with, she got super drunk, dude. She passed out. We carried her to her room and then she wanted to lay down in front of her hotel room door in the hallway. <laughs> and one of, the, one of the girls we were with took a picture of her and I have that picture on my phone. And the girl goes, don't ever let her know you have that picture. Wow. Why? Why? So she doesn't know that she fucking drank herself stupid and was yeah. laying there in the hallway of a hotel room? I Why? know. Why so, do we do that? It's like we spare people the pain of that. But now I'm like, I kind of wish my ex, for instance, had, I don't wish that he was harder on me because he was hard on me enough and actually probably made my drinking worse or resulted yeah. in my drinking being worse. Because there's that stay in your lane right there. Yep. Yeah. But I, yeah, I don't, I think, of course, a lot of us who arrive on this journey do wish we had arrived to it sooner. And sometimes I wonder pointlessly, what would it have taken for me to arrive here sooner? But I don't really dwell on these kinds of things because we get here when we get here, you know, we do. And as much as I wish I would have gotten here sooner, I'm so glad I got here when I did because I'm here with my whole heart. I'm not here because yeah. my fucking DUI probation officer <laughs> is checking in on me randomly. Right. You know, I'm not here because my husband thinks I have a drinking problem. I'm here because I want to be sober. Period. So when you when you have those moments and you're like kind of like, really? When he's pouring the second whiskey or what have you, do you find that that builds internal resentment or do you worry about that? I worry about it. I worry that it builds internal resentment. I try really hard not to let it. I try to go through in my mind, like, look, he's a good father. Yeah. We're at home. We're not driving anywhere. He likes it. But it's like, it's annoying because it's like, really, do you really need that? But every time, every time I think, what if the roles were reversed? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Every time. And it, it keeps my mouth shut. Because like you said, you're like, if it, it probably would have, it probably drove my drinking. Mm-hmm. Because it's like when you're like, fuck you, you don't, you're not the boss of me. I'm gonna open another bottle. Yeah. No, that's true. And I wonder, I mean, I hear about this all the time in our community that we belong to. I read different, really heartfelt situations of both genders watching their spouses or partners drink and this tremendous resentment of, of having to watch it and, mm-hmm. and feeling like alone on the journey. Yeah. And, and I, I, I really that. genuinely feel for them and, and I, I feel frustrated and I don't know what the solution is. Yeah, I don't, I don't. Cause I would like to, my husband, I'd like to consider him a responsible drinker and He's become even more responsible since he doesn't have a drinking buddy. Mm-hmm. Me. Because I think I was a big instigator. Yeah. Oh, it's let's have, let's Tuesday night, let's make tacos. I'm going to do margaritas. It's like, mm-hmm. that's not necessarily on a Tuesday. Um, <laughs> and I think that maybe he was a responsible drinker before he met me. And we both egged each other on, just like you yeah. said. And now that my aunt says, two drinkers, this is why when you're like, 
people who are married or like re report more um more satisfaction i'm like really though uh <laughs> that drink together you mean yeah. yeah yeah it's like well they're not having very good sex they're arguing <laughs> they're always hung over it's like is it fun is it fun getting eggs benedict in the morning spending 60 dollars <laughs> to fucking grease over your hangover is that satisfying but if that's all you know then that's all you know I suppose okay. that that is just due to the fact that no one in the relationship then is trying to stop the behavior or change the behavior. So there's no feeling of resentment toward the other person. Like this person's making me want to stop. They're just floating along blissfully ignorant about thinking that they're free. They're free to drink mm -hmm. anytime they want, however much they want. They're, right. That's free. That's satisfaction. No We're partying. We're, we're celebrating. It's a holiday. Absolutely. And that was the tremendous thing that I had while we were drinking together is that there was no judgment about, about my drinking, even when it got silly. And, and I'm, I'm really thankful for that, even though, you know, even though I needed to stop. <laughs> yeah. It kept me from seeing the truth. So my aunt has a thing that she says about, uh, to drink when you marry your drinking buddy, she goes, Two drinkers, it's like crabs, in, it's two crabs in a bucket, okay? If you put one crab in a bucket, it'll find a way to climb out. But if you put two crabs in a bucket, when one tries to climb out, the other one will pull it back down because it doesn't oh, want to be left alone. <laughs> wonder, and where's that two, in the University of Buffalo study? <laughs> we put two crabs in a bucket <laughs> after 10 minutes, um, and I, I... Sometimes when I see people who married their drinking buddy, mm -hmm. I think they're just two crabs in a bucket. Like, of course, they're satisfied. They have that whole entire bucket of just them, and they get to freely indulge with no judgment, you yeah. know, and that they have that whole bucket. No one's going to bother them. Mm -hmm. But for me, it's like I have the whole world. And no, my husband didn't try to drag me back into the bucket. Yeah, that's And good. I love that your husband helped you out of the bucket. He said, all right, here's a knee. I'll get out. Here's I'll a, get you out. And then I'll here's a tentacle. Yeah. <laughs> Claw. <laughs> Claw. Claw. Yeah. I mean, it's been all around positive. Like, I feel like the positives for us of that, you know, like you said, like less arguing, more calm in general. I feel like overall, like we don't, we haven't been, we've only been married for like four years, people. Okay. This is a third marriage. Okay. But this is somebody that I knew for many years and who was kind of my first love when I was in my twenties. So this is somebody That's that goes so back away, a ways for me. And, um, you know, our date nights are cheaper you know? yeah. <laughs> and I, I feel like, you know, neither of us were major stress cases to begin with, but like the fact that like we can both be calm. And like you said, like the major, the, well, one thing. So I do feel tremendously connected to him because of this. I wonder yeah. to myself all the time, like if he goes out to, you know, a game or whatever social event, I always think to myself, okay, if he has a drink, you know, tonight, if he does choose that, how am I going to react? And I almost yeah. mentally prepare myself, but he has never done that. But I mean, I do wonder about that, but I do you also think if he went back to drinking, you'd be able to stay sober. Oh man. I think now that I've been sober for almost a year, 
I think I would be able to stay sober and I don't think he would stay drinking for long. I think yeah. if he had a moment, it would be like all of us at, at some point in sobriety where we just have that moment where whatever becomes overwhelming and we just choose to drink in that moment. But I don't think he would go back to drinking regularly. To being a drinker. Yeah, just because yeah. he had quit for like years before. Um, but do I think that we could both go back to drinking and cohabitate, rationalize, rationalize ourselves back to drinking? I think we absolutely could. Really? I think that like, I hope we don't, but that's a very real, like, that's a, that's a reality I have to be aware of in order yeah. to keep me where I am. I was because... just going to say, the more you're aware of that, I think the more you can appreciate and guard and protect your sobriety. Because oh, when yeah. You, it's when you go, I've got this. This is in the bag. It's like next thing you know, you're in the bag. Exactly. Because for us, I know how it would be. It would be like a, we would rationalize it together. We would make a just decision. It would probably be like our my most vulnerable thing is when we travel. And we're about to travel to Montana this upcoming weekend for a week. I'm already mentally preparing myself for that because like when you travel you're also apart from your normal routines absolutely it feels like it feels like a vacation from yourself and a, an escape from yourself and it's the perfect vulnerable place to to let that happen and i could see where i mean this i could see where we would be in a situation where we'd be like well just on this vacation and then we'll yeah. go back to sobriety and then after a week of drinking, though, it's kind of hard to start from square one all over again. And I think that's the main deterrent is neither of us want to go through that again. Like we're both yeah. like we're 44 mm -hmm. going through that first month of detox. Sucks. Climbing out of the pit. Yeah, yeah, it sucks to climb out of the pit. There's so much work and I don't want to lose my spot as dead. I don't want to lose my spot, babe. <laughs> yeah. And I honestly, I think part of the reason I have stayed sober because he's supportive. He's, he's like, I'm proud of you. I'm proud mm -hmm. of you. He's like, it's really hard to do. I'm really proud of you. And, um, yeah, that's awesome. And that sense of pride that you get from your spouse is, is awesome. Like, it's just this feeling that like, that, that you're doing something that they appreciate and that, you know, you kind of feel yeah. like a badass. You kind of Absolutely. feel a bit like a superhero. Yeah. And like, I'm a class act everywhere I go because I'm not that, I mean, I was usually pretty classy because I was a teacher. And so I learned about professionalism. Mm -hmm. And so we would go to places and meet with these brewers that were like kind of famous in the industry. Mm -hmm. And I was there for the beer. Let's be honest. I was like so happy to meet Al and his wife and hear about what brewery they started or whatever. But then I was just like ready to be able to get as much beer in as I could. I don't right. think I embarrassed myself. Punch the now, timer. How much can I get in here? It's yeah, it's free. We're the, we're the VIPs, you know? Well, I wasn't, I, we literally were like, you know, guests of honor. But now I'm at the VIP table where I'm always a class act by his side. And I think he appreciates that. Yeah, I'm sure he does. You know, and, and we both, before we got on this call, we were saying that it would be good as well to throw out for those non-married people yeah. who are looking for, um, because I know a person actually um, who might listen to this, who oh. is, who is Another going through listener. a divorce. I know, fifth listener, fifth listener. <laughs> and going through a divorce and wondering about how they're going to meet someone after this divorce is finalized 
and totally young still, totally attractive, totally a lot to offer. Yeah. And, you know, like so far has been meeting a bunch of people who drink, you know? I know. And I was telling him like about all these sober apps that I found. And it's really cool. Like if I were, I, first of all, I do not know what I would do if I had the sober date. I would probably just turn celibate. <laughs> like I'm 44. Screw it. I know. Get a good vibrator. No, right. I mean, that's the thing is you kind of have to decide for yourself if you're okay being around alcohol and being mm. around drinkers, or if you want that sober life, you know, with rainbows and butterflies and glitter, because I'm going to be honest, I fantasize about it. Mm -hmm. I do. I mean, that could be so cool. But it's not like his drinking like slows. I don't know. I yeah. don't know. I can't say. I can't say. All right. Sober dating. What do you what do you got? So I don't even know if I'm gonna pronounce all these apps right because they're like all weird. But so there's one called Lucid. And um all these are like, I guess like places that you can go on, like apps you can download, clean and sober love like Tinder, it shows you a photo of a potential match and whatever personal information about themselves that they want to share, giving you the opportunity to swipe right and start a conversation or swipe left and move on. Yep. <laughs> this all sounds miserable already. Sober I know. <laughs> <laughs> I was like holding my breath to try to pass out. I know. I, and then yeah. I guess there's somebody like, there's another thing I've heard of sober grid, which is kind of I feel like when I saw Sober Grid, it looked like Facebook for sober people. That's kind of what it looked like. But it does have like a little like profile thing like that shows like how long you've been sober. And and then they mention I am sober. This article I'm reading mentions I am which sober. Which is not a dating app. Which is not a dating app. However, it is an app for people who are trying to abstain from all sorts of substances. And you can get into groups and yeah. meet people, Make which is how Sarah and I met. Yep. And um, and then there's something called Meet Mindful. Um, but even though that isn't specifically centered around um, alcohol, it's for people who keep their lives mindful and high vibe, whatever that means. <laughs> Kids <laughs> these living. days. But I think though, if it were me being the age that I am, and not liking apps in particular, I think I would go to meetup.com and go to a local sober meetup event because there are all sorts, or even just another non-alcohol, whether or not it is like something that you love to do. Like on yeah. meetup, you can find like, if you love to hike, if you love to basket weave, if you love to learn a foreign language, you can find yeah. all sorts of, we are not affiliated with any of these. Nobody's yeah. giving us any no, money. We're just throwing them out there. Way. But I think I would find an in-person way to meet people that isn't a bar where I could meet someone and get to know them, I think is what I probably would probably do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I honestly dating, like when I was dating, I was like basically still running around in diapers because I was just drunk and I know how long stupid. have you been married is what I'm wondering too. I've been married since 2008. So carry the two, divide by pi, 13 <laughs> American years. Yeah. Uh, we met in 2005. So I don't know. I was just so busy getting drunk and high when I was dating that that's what I mean when I say I was running around in diapers. I was just a yeah. dipshit. 
but now that I'm sober, I have this like really solid sense of self. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't go back and trade it because even though my husband is a drinker, he's absolutely like the one for me. I, you know, I wouldn't go back and trade it. I think everything happens in time on time for a reason, but, um, let's dating advice. Huh? If I had like some niece that was like asking me about sober dating advice, what I would say is you need to number one, rule one, trust that you are your best self and that you're putting the very best of yourself out there. So in your sobriety, that you, you know, you're listening to your intuition and your body's telling you, you know, I'm cold, I'm hot, I'm hungry, I'm tired, I'm thirsty. And you have all of that at the ready, you know, and you're willing to, you're taking care of your body and you're bringing your best self. You're reasonable and logical and creative and beautiful because mm-hmm. you have sobriety. So trust that you have your best self. And that's like it because... Isn't that all you need in order to be successful at dating is to like have confidence? It's true. I do feel like one thing I've noticed um, just as I've gotten older and in sobriety uh, combined is that, you know, I was too codependent on people for my own happiness. And one of the things that sobriety has really given me is a better sense of self and an awareness that I need to focus on me first. And, you know, I don't diminish the need for another because other people do complete us in a way, especially if we find somebody who, who makes us the best version of ourselves. But, Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I'm definitely focused on me and I, and I don't want to be also championing divorce out there, like saying, Hey, you know what, if you're not happy in your marriage and you're getting sober and your person isn't then get a divorce. I don't want to encourage that. But what I will say is that, you know, there, there are situations in sobriety where people will, will evolve away from their significant other and maybe need to, and that that's okay. Because Mm -hmm. as a part of my, you know, I started this loosely, my journey of getting sober probably five years ago when I was, when my father died and my, and my world turned to shit and all sorts of things were going on. And part of that was a divorce. And Mm -hmm. I think, you know, it's, it's, it's a huge thing. It's not to be taken lightly. It's, it's an earth changer, especially for children involved, but it's also, it's also can be um, a rebirth of who you are, you know, for sure. As a teacher, I got to see a lot of children I got to see a lot of a lot of families you know every day I was witness to the, the every small detail of a family and I've seen the difference between people who um kind of stay married for the kids mm-hmm. versus the people who just decide to do uh, a civil divorce and go their separate ways and whatever, dude, there's no right or wrong way to do it, but you need to listen to yourself and you need to, and, and the rules, the rules are you need to take good care of yourself. You need to take good care of your marriage. And then you need to take good care of your children because your marriage comes before your children, because your marriage is the house in which the children live. And if Mm -hmm. that house isn't, is in disrepair, 
then you need to maybe get a new house for the children mm-hmm. to live in. You know what I mean? But that that's that's a hard one. That's a hard one because I think sobriety is such a fucking earth shaker. It's such a life changer. It rearranged the cells in my body, honestly. Mm-hmm. And if you have someone who's committed to their addiction, who as addiction does, make sure that it comes first. Yeah. Then there's no winning, no matter what best self you bring to that table. You yeah. Know? But I absolutely don't think that just because you're sober and they're drinking, that it's going to end in divorce. Oh yeah, no. And and I do think like we would be remiss without mentioning that both of us have gone through counseling on some level. Yeah. Uh, mar- marital counseling and individual counseling, and I had never set foot in even the space of thinking about a therapist before I decided to get sober. And it has been so it was, it has been worth every dime I have spent out of pocket and, and every hard exercise that I've had to navigate that has has demanded me to look at things I didn't want to look at maybe that. I mean, so I think that that's something that is really worth considering, like people who are navigating sticky issues in their relationships. It's like cleaning out a junk drawer. Because your drunk drawer, you always, you can always go to it. There's always a roll of tape. There's pens and pencils. There's usually hair ties, hairbrush in mind, you know, a lighter, just what random like shit. Old, old Cheetos and scraps of food and those, those like school pictures that your friends sent you of their kids 10 years ago, you know, <laughs> Christmas cards that yeah, you don't throw just, away. Like those, the, the doll shoe that you don't feel like putting away, the tacky glue from the art project. Okay, but this is how therapy is like a junk drawer. Like your life, you're like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm the junk drawer. There's tape. There's things I need. But therapy is when you go in and you sort it out and you organize it. Mm-hmm. And you take that fucking doll shoe and you bring it up to the doll bin where the dolls are. Okay. <laughs> And you sort and organize, and then everything is just so much more useful and approachable and necessary. That's so awesome. It's just, it's been, so I'm not a marriage therapist, but if I had to say sobriety in a marriage, I wrote down a couple things. Number one, trust that you are your best self. And by bringing your best self, you are indeed bringing good into the marriage, period. There's no way that your sobriety can be a bad thing. And if someone's telling you that it is, that's their addiction talking. Done. Number two stay in your lane stay in your lane (laughs) all you can control is your what you're doing basically yeah 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 because if someone starts to get defensive about their addiction then you have a whole nother fucking bag of worms to wrestle and then number three believe that there is power and beauty in a sober connection a connection even though you're sober because I think a lot of the people are like well what if we don't connect anymore we're not both sitting at happy hour drinking wine or whatever it's like no there really is connection you can both notice a rainbow and hold hands and you know so that's that's my sobriety marriage I Uh, think that's really true because you know, you do get a chance, even if it's just you and your partner's drinking, but you get a chance to see everything about your world in a totally different way. And there is going to be just like drop to your knees, humble moments of like pure happiness, scared shitlessness, and everything else in between. But it will at least be real and it will not be, um, 
you know, influenced by something outside of yourself. Yes. And yes. And in that you will be maybe a lighthouse, maybe a lighthouse, maybe, you know, stay in your lane, but you are shining light. You are bringing light. And I think other people notice, and I'm, I know my husband has cut way back on his drinking because I'm not there, you know, and to plug that book with which the lighthouse uh, yeah. was just referenced, um, there's a great book, especially for people who were wine junkies like myself, called The Wine O'Clock Myth by Lada Dan. She's a New Zealand author. I think that was her third book. I think it came out in 2019 or 2020. But I that's, need to get it. Yeah, it's a really cool juxtaposition of her own stories and as a mother in a marriage, et cetera. And then also um, interweaving stories of real people all around the, all around the world. Yeah. Um, what, Elaine, do you have any like resources for people to reach out to if they're sober, they're protecting and battling for their sobriety every day, but they are living with someone who's like an addict? Like, are there, is there like a, I mean, I know that there's Al-Anon and I actually went to Al-Anon um, when my dad was drinking. I lived in California. My dad lived in Colorado. My mom was calling me about my dad's drinking. And the only way I knew how to deal with it was to go to Al-Anon. And it was awesome because they were just basically saying, you can only control yourself. You can only control your reaction, your mm -hmm. response, and you can love them and separate yeah. them from their addiction, you know? But I... I that's the only one that comes to mind. But I mean, like, again, like what we were talking about with the therapy, I would probably recommend getting an addiction, a, a therapist that specializes in addiction so that mm -hmm. they can provide, they often have so many resources locally, especially if you've got issues with like domestic or emotional abuse, for instance, mm -hmm. um, getting that advocate on your side is like huge. Yep. Yeah, a heart goes out to you. Uh, well, well, that's for, for the win. Chips. <laughs> variety for the win. If you have comments, questions, concerns, uh, email us at soberbaddies at gmail.com. Especially, too, if you have a story to share or if you think that there's something that we should chat about at some point or even yeah. research or look into. Yeah. And, um, or even if you just want to tell us to go to hell. Yeah, we'll take it. We'll take all your, we'll take your flagrant, uh, angry emails. Yeah, dude, soberbaddies at gmail.com. Um, I have been hanging with Elaine Schuyler Neal. And I'm going to hell with Sarah Malloy. Yep, and you've been hanging with the sober baddies. Thanks for being a sober baddie. Thanks for dropping in. <laughs>